Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Psalm 60, as commentator Trimper Longman observes, is a community lament after a military defeat. Another commentator draws our attention to the realities of Psalms 54 through 60. Each one has brought to our attention enemies of the people of God, and specifically of David. There have been relatives from his own tribe, a closest friend, neighboring Philistines, King Saul, rulers of the land, murderous henchmen, and now, in this psalm, enemies from distant lands. The land specifically in focus is that of Edom. The minor prophet Obadiah will have the strongest word against these people who continued in their rebellion against God and their hatred for the people of Israel. And so, God is going to be the one who allows this destruction to come upon Israel, and also he will be the one to redeem them. Psalm 60. To the choir master, According to Shushan Eduth, a miktam of David, for instruction when he strove with Aram Naharaim and with Aram Zobah, and when Joab on his return struck down twelve thousand of Edom in the Valley of Salt. O God, you have rejected us, broken our defenses, you have been angry. O restore us, you have made the land to quake, you have torn it open. Repair its breaches, for it totters. You have made your people see hard things. You have given us wine to drink that made us stagger. You have set up a banner for those who fear you, that they may flee to it from the bow, that your beloved ones may be delivered. Give salvation by your right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. With exultation, I will divide up Shechem and portion out the vale of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my washbasin. Upon Edom I cast my shoe, over Philistia I shout in triumph. Who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go forth, O God, with our armies. O grant us help against the foe. For vain is the salvation of man. With God we shall do valiantly. It is he who will tread down our foes. David here recognizes the severity of the situation that Israel finds themselves in. After this defeat, it has crushed them. It has brought them to a reality check to understand that they can't do anything. They are not cavalier in going into this battle or coming out of this battle, but understanding that their defeat is one that God himself has allowed. We have to recognize that even when we face defeat, we are not to curse God, but to recognize that he is there in the midst of it. Acknowledging God's sovereignty, David Mathis says, does not make David or Israel cavalier. They feel rejected. They feel confused, disoriented, made to stagger. Not only is this humiliating, but now they are pierced with fear. Will Edom win the next battle? Will Edom march on Jerusalem? Will Edom overthrow the nations? Has God rejected his people? And then what does David do? He says, O God, and turns to him in the midst of this psalm six times. And he does this 
pleading before God, humbled because of the defeat that God allowed them to face. He was the one that allowed Israel to be defeated by their enemies. God is not surprised by this. He is not taken aback. He is not shocked. He is not thinking, oh, I wish that I had done more to help my people, or oh, I wish my people had worked harder. We have to understand that God is sovereign even in the midst of defeat. He is not unaware. He is working something for the good of those, even when it is his people being defeated. God not only rules, again says Mathis, over the greatest triumphs of his people, but also their greatest losses. The devastations of his beloved are by his allowance but not toward the end of destruction, but in service of his good purposes. This is key. We need to remember this. We might talk of an asymmetry in his sovereignty over the good and bad. He stands, God stands, directly behind the good, as it were, and indirectly over the evil. The good reflects his character, but he is no less sovereign over devastation. But for his people, for David, For us in Christ, any felt sense of rejection from God is never the final word for his covenant people. Amen. This is needed as we work through psalms like this and as we work through times in our lives where we and those we love face defeat. It is never an ultimate setback. When we in our churches, when we in our countries face setbacks and disappointments and defeats, God is still working. He is behind the scenes working for our good and for his glory. This often brings up the problem of evil for many, which they have been confused over for so long. If God is all-powerful, then how can evil exist? Then he must not be all good if evil continues to exist. But the problem is, we enter that kind of question not recognizing that it is absolutely possible, probable, and in fact typically biblical that God intends good even through suffering. We can see the most beautiful picture of this in the gospel itself. When we come to the cross, we say, how could God let something so horrendous as his son being murdered on a cross, how could this be for good? And so many did not understand it. The disciples did not understand it. But just as David had to face the reality that defeat for Israel would still one day end up in victory, so the death of God's Son ended in resurrection. We have such hope because God has spoken that He rules, that He laughs at the wicked who continue to think that they have some sort of power over God. Edom will not win. Satan will not win. The flesh The devil, the world, will not win. God has already declared that he will trample his foes under his feet. He's the one that does it. We wait on his deliverance. We trust in his mercy, and we hope in his salvation. William Plummer says, Whatever our trouble may be, let us look to God for help. When we think we can carry our own burden, it is always too heavy for us. Let us not think that we can be the ones to endure on our own strength, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We find ourselves always disappointed in our own strength because we don't have it. We will often find defeat, and especially when we go forth in our own strength. We don't know exactly what Israel's place was before God in this situation, but it is certainly possible that this was one of the times where they hoped their own abilities would bring them to success in the battlefield. Who 
would redeem the people of Israel was always God. The point of putting the ark in front of them was not to the uh, detriment of the story of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It wasn't because of some mystical power of the ark. It was because that God himself was with the people. The ark was symbolizing his presence with his covenant community, with the people he was redeeming. And so we have in the Psalter a call to remember, even in defeat, God is the one that our strength comes from. We need to remember that God will punish the nations for their sins, and that he will also bring the restoration of his people. Ultimately, we sit on the outskirts as Gentiles to be brought into the people of God, and yet we see a wonderful, miraculous, powerful difference in the new covenant, where now every tribe, tongue, and nation is issued this command to believe on Jesus Christ. There no longer are the Edomites going to have to only sit on the outside unless they become Jews. Instead, those from any tribe, tongue, and nation are welcomed by Christ himself. So, we come to this psalm with the realization that Right sometimes looks like it's losing, but the ultimate assurance that David himself comes to, that God has not rejected us completely, that he has never given us the cause to doubt his ultimate salvation, his ultimate victory, and his ultimate righteousness. This allows us to expect from God the working that he promises his right justice, his right deliverance, and his ultimate expression of victory and triumph for his people. Let's pray. Father, in this psalm, we find a defeated people of God. Lord, as we think about the defeat that your people face so frequently, we may often think of battles where your people have lost. We may think of persecutions where your people have faced death. Lord, we may think of plenty of times where it seems like the people of God are on the out, but we understand ultimately that victory is found in you, that the cross is a symbol of what seems to be defeat, but we understand it as being the point of greatest victory. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Help us to understand that even when we taste the things that make us stagger, that when we see hard things in our world, when we feel like our land is quaking and being torn open, we trust in you to repair it, to heal it. May you bring us to a greater love for you and a greater reliance on your sovereignty over all things. Even when it is perilous, we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Call to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.